Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Welcome to another beautiful, just gorgeous, probably one of the nicer weeks you love mid-70s from Wisconsin that you get, which means Robert Craig is probably a little bit chilly. He loves it when the heat is up. Robert, Executive Director here at Citizen Action, how you doing? Good. I have my living win- windows closed so I can get a little warmer than it oh, is boy. on my 17th floor. So, Robert, it's good to have you. Um, we have a number of things we're going to talk about today, both at the federal and state level. Um, but we're going to start, interestingly enough, with a report that we co-released this week with Americans for Tax Fairness and Healthcare for America Now. Robert, this report was, I think, stunning in what it revealed in terms of how the corporate wealthy elite in this country, very small, this billionaire class, let's call it, has made tremendous profits during the pandemic, right? Have, have actually used all the pain that everybody's been feeling, uh, all this inflation you're hearing about, right? But yet massive profiteering is going on. This report, tell our listeners more about the key findings that found how well billionaires are doing uh, during the pandemic? Well, they have increased their wealth by $19.7 billion. When we've done previous reports, we've seen some of the eight Wisconsin billionaires uh, actually have their net worth double during the pandemic. And these are people who already have enough wealth to make sure that their next eight generations of Menards or Hendrixes, of Diane Hendrick or Elines, Uh, don't have to work, and they need to double their assets. That tells you how much the economy is rigged. And what this year's report, Matt, shows, I mean, this current one, there'll be more than one per year, is, of course, we know this, but this documents it, they're using those resources to buy the political system and make sure they can rig it even further against average people. And so as we end up in this inflationary uh, supply chain problem, Uh, The solution is going to come on workers and their pain, average people who already are at the margins just trying to make ends meet and uh, continue to benefit billionaires. That is uh, that is unpopular, Matt, across the political spectrum. The question is, uh, but we need to electoralize it. There needs to be clarity between which candidates would hold billionaires accountable, tax them and make the economy work for everyone, not just the folks who have Uh, this inordinate amount of money, because this is a new aristocracy, folks. This is a bigger billionaire class than even the infamous Gilded Age of the late 19th century. So let me get this straight, Robert. The report found that 27 billionaires who gave essentially to the GOP, right, that their collective net worth rose by 57% during the, not the full pandemic, this is just through last year, a period uh, last year, Robert. So gosh, if we could continue the numbers right now, who knows, but that's a staggering number, folks. To, to, to more than double your net worth, right? At a time when we're all being told, like the economy's crashing, right? Like President Biden's numbers are garbage for many reasons, 
But the main one is this. It's this inflation issue. And Robert, the numbers came out yesterday. I'm going to tie these two issues together because I think they're critical that we had some of the highest inflation numbers uh, in Jan in June. And I'll remind folks that's June from the previous year to this year, just under 10%, which is a significant number, right? And let's not kid ourselves. It also does impact workers, right? In the, the costs have direct impact on working people in terms of how they have to absorb them. And then the damn way the Fed responds. And the only thing we have is this hammer that, of raising interest rates, which workers pay, right? Because it forces higher unemployment. But Robert, back to the study, right? Like this study lays bare that this whole system is is has been absolutely hugely beneficial to the billionaires. And by the way, the billionaires who have gotten tax breaks under Ron Johnson and the Republicans. Robert? Yeah, and the billionaires that are funding federal campaigns, they are predominantly on the rubble side Wall Street, okay? So any notion Wall Street is our friend and liberal, but on the Democratic side where the billionaires are 17% of their money, so remember the Demo they have a tie-in to a lot of big money Democrats and that that's what makes them more compromised and unwilling to do things that benefit us, okay? Don't not forget that. Yep. Um, they are, they're also Wall Street majority, but there's also uh, industries like tech, that are, that are also part of the Democratic mix. But the Democrats get less from billionaires than the Republicans. They don't believe this fake populist stuff from Republicans, the people who are giving them the resources to, to do all the hate and lying they're going to do and have been doing already this cycle, um, are getting something back. They got the Trump tax cut. Working class people got vir virtually nothing from them during four years of the Trump administration. Now, Remember this too, this has to do with the lack of full progressive control of the Democratic Party, though we had most moderates with us on this. The cutoff of the American Rescue Plan money, things like the child tax credit, which reduced child poverty by 40 to 45%, enhanced income tax credit, number of other things. The numbers came out uh, this month as well that that dramatically increased the number of individuals and families living at the margins who uh, and who, you know, were very close to not being able to pay the bills. And so then you have inflation on top of that. So there's real pain. We do not want to write this off, but we've created an economy where the pain is all felt in the middle and the bottom. Uh, I understand there are some less people who can't buy as nice a house as they'd like, but that it led is not the same thing as losing your home okay being evicted and we need to realize that but uh so you got you got to rank your pains but billionaires no pain whatsoever and just remember even the trump rescue plans gave the biggest companies in this country huge amounts of money with no strings attached ever and no vilification people who had enhanced unemployment uh, were vilified and republicans were cutting them off early no one was cutting off the corporations right yeah so that's what we're facing, but it's because billionaires have gotten too much money for a democracy, because when you have that much money, you have much more power than average people. Like you have one person, one vote. How can you have multiracial democracy when this is not a diverse group of billionaires in the least in any way, shape or form? Uh, but then also they, uh, they are using that money as predictably to rig and, and distort the political system. The one piece of good news I'll say is, 
President Biden, to his credit, supports a billionaire's tax, which is wildly popular. And it apparently cannot get all the way through because of mansion and cinema, but they'll do a lot of it. And that would be huge, not only in terms of just uh, so having some increase in in them in having the billionaires pay their fair share, but just politically, it would really show what side, who, which party was on what side, because every single Republican will vote against taxing billionaires and large corporations in the least. Look, that's the that's the thing that's most frustrating, right? Is a lot some of the things, and and we'll talk more about this in the next hour about inflation, how the Fed's handling it. I want to talk a little bit more about that. But there are tools out there that were in Build Back Better that could help address what's going on. And so it makes passing something through budget reconciliation absolutely critical uh, to do as much as we can. And I, I just think that that is the clarion call has to be for the Democrats, that that has to happen in Congress. Absolutely, especially given what's going on with the Fed and how that is going to impact working people. Robert, before we dive more into that, before we go to break, one more thing on the report I want to get you to comment on, because this is important for us to not forget as we head into this election year, again, the first election since the insurrection, that the money is also behind folks who either were have been directly involved or connected to what went on in the insurrection or have been literally silent or worse, trying to cover up, ignore what went on January 6th. Talk more about that and what the report found. Okay, folks, the seven largest corporations who are giving to insurrectionist candidates, remember all the we're going to stop uh, that came after January 6th? Well, they stopped doing that right away because corporations ultimately care about their short-term bottom lines and profits each and, st and their stock values and their, their ability to do their, their, their uh, CEOs and top executives to do uh, to, to sell their stock and uh, because they're compensating stock and may and make a killing and get intergenerational wealth. But the, the, the seven are AT&T, Chevron, ExxonMobil. So you got the fossil fuel industry there, FedEx, GM, Merrick, so you got the pharma industry and UPS, and you got a couple union employers in there. You got uh, AT&T, you've got GM, and you got UPS. So that's always a challenge because we, you, you, we want to support union labor, but then it's sickening when the uh, folks, uh, our unionized workers are working for, are going and undermining our democracy in that way. But all you can say, Matt, is they must not care, or they're as uh, flying monkey right crazy as, as uh, you know, the crew that was meeting with Trump in the screaming and yelling meeting in mid-December about, uh, about, uh, about the election. We'll talk more about that, but we got to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin, where Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin, where Citizen Action, we're talking about the report we released this week with Healthcare for America Now and Americans for Tax Fairness. This report was devastating in its findings around the wealth accumulation that has been going on in this country during the pandemic. Folks, this stuff's been going on for a long time. I'm sure you've seen the charts, but the numbers of what 
was found in this report is staggering. And more importantly, we're talking and we want to move into a broader discussion of things that are happening right now. We've started talking about the inflation numbers that came out on Wednesday that found, you know, June, the annual inflation rate was the highest it had been in, oh, what, half a century, 40 years, 50 years, long time, folks. It's, it's early 1980s, let's not overstate, yeah. early Reagan administration. Okay, long time, folks. Been a long time, right? So it's a, it is, and it, the talk is everywhere, right? And it doesn't matter whether, to, for the most part, whether you're listening to, you know, right wing, shall we say more mainstream or even quote progressive or NPR media like that, you know, the frame is still, it's the, there's pretty much one solution. And that solution is the fed is going to increase interest rates. It's already done that. They're suggesting it may go up a point and then a point again. And Robert, what I, what, what I want to talk to you about is I feel like, you know, that we need to, we need to get our shit together, so to speak, and start pushing back against this. I know there's a number of uh, leaders and members of Congress that have been speaking about this and talking about the fact that there are a number of solutions that we could do immediately. I mentioned a number of the things that were in Build Back Together or things that could be in a budget reconciliation that would be a start. But there's some big structural things that we ought to be starting to look at and starting to talk about that have to do with going after, you know, the profiteering that's going on as a way of going after inflation and not having workers who pay the price through increasing unemployment and higher costs when inflation go up and then we just raise interest rates. Robert, I, I think this is a real problem. I think the report shows how in, just the insane amount of profiteering that's going on and that we continue under the current structure, again, to go, whether it's Republican or Democrat in charge, to generally, Biden certainly articulated that there's pain going on, but the only real solution is the Fed. And by the way, the Fed is not elected. These are unelected people. We dickered all over about Build Back Better and all these components, but yet that one of the more fundamental things that quite frankly is being discussed as could throw us into a recession is being done by an elect, unelected Fed on the backs of working people. Robert, I'm kind of sick of it. I'm tired of the way it's being discussed. Your thoughts? Yeah, this has been going on a long time. In fact, William Grider wrote a great book called Secrets of the Temple about how the Fed operates. And the Fed is absolutely um, a branch of finance capital close to all of the big banks. But the interesting thing is, the Fed has gotten better than it used to be. The Fed is supposed to, according to statute, balance inflation and unemployment. They're both, they're its twin goals. Uh, a lot of uh, folks, uh, Paul Volcker, Alan Greenspan, the whole kind of, this was a bipartisan consensus, neoliberal move. They started only caring about inflation and didn't give a darn about workers. Powell has been better, shockingly. That's why Biden reappointed him, even though he was appointed by Trump. Uh, but he has limited tools. And the reason the Fed has been so central since the 1980s is because Congress has abdicated its responsibility for leading the economy. So this all has to do with the filibuster, the broken Congress. Uh, Congress has been broken in part because it was in the 70s when the huge corporate investments 
uh, this all came out of the, the Powell memo, not, not, the, not the Fed chair, but the uh, uh, business leader and former Supreme Court justice appointed by Nixon, and uh, that said they needed to go and take over the political system that we were coming socialistic, and they did it in terms of huge lobbying uh, uh, propaganda, they call it strategic communication investments, and then huge investments. And it's gotten worse since Citizens United, but it was getting worse before Citizens United, folks. Citizens United was kind of a an accelerator, not the original cause. We didn't have a pure democracy with where corporations didn't dominate elections prior to Citizens United, but it's gotten much worse with the dark money loophole. It's more than a loophole. It's a, yeah, it's a flood. And, but anyway, so the fact, so you have this problem where, frankly, the only thing the Biden administration uh, may be able to do legislatively, unless we can get Mansion and Cinema, because we have this such a, a small margin, is to uh, rely on the Fed and its limited tools. The Fed's trying to do a dance where they avoid a recession, but let's face it, we mentioned that the inflation is doing great damage to working people. And so it does need to be contained. But the problem here is you talked about the price gouging and we could dig into that a little more, but let me just say, so, say this, this is a different kind of inflation than the late seventies, early eighties. There's a pandemic that has still caused a labor shortage. And then there is this supply chain problem which was caused by neoliberalism. That is by Democrats and Republicans allowing them to created a brittle supply chain that maximized profit that came from the cheapest possible workers overseas and there needed to be no uh, inventory and building up of supplies because yeah, it would arrive economy. just in time. And that system is entirely broken. And guess what? A lot of the people who set up that system and, 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 and run it, they're benefiting because then they turn around price gouge. This is a uh, something like a supply chain, you can see, affects the public good, the public interest, and it actually should be regulated heavily uh, by our um, by, by our government. But you know, President Biden and his and his economic team have said that repeatedly. But is there even an iota of possibility in Congress right now? No. So it's abdicated to the Fed, Matt. Yeah, I, I just. I there I think there's a there's a real serious problem for here for us on the left and 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 for the labor movement. I I mean part of the Fed I I believe the Fed does some of what it does because it understands workers are largely unorganized and largely unable to respond and if if you pursue the approaches that will actually that would actually you know go after capital and it's price gouging say price caps or you know actually do how about nationalizing you know gas or oil uh since we found it super important uh maybe it's really ought to be a public good given its interconnectedness to our existential crisis that shit's off the table and if it's not even a part of the discussion when we're in the heat of the crisis when people are focused on it it's like things that aren't a part of the election discussion when it's the heat of folks being focused on it then they don't get acted upon. And so I'm really concerned. And I just, I, I admit like we, it's an issue we have to grapple with here at Citizen Action. We've been talking about the critical need to do better economic education and literacy, but I really think we need a campaign on the left around fighting back against how we're handling inflation and, uh, and use it as a broader long-term thing around economic literacy and organizing workers. Uh, it's they're in a box. I've not heard 
a a better approach that uh, that the Fed could do. The better approach comes from Congress functioning. I do think this just the the because Congress didn't function, they used low interest rates as a tool to get out of the Great Recession because Obama's team decided not to put enough money in actually. And that's what made the recovery so slow. And then to supercharge the stock market. The stock market is a bubble. That's why it got so big. And it was done with cheap money. And here's the problem. Interest rates uh, work in two ways. You can use them. You can raise them to try to tamp down inflation. We don't know with the supply chain problems and the and the global commodification of fossil fuels, that's another big driver here we could talk about and the refusal to go to renewable energy. But um, it, you can you try to raise interest rates to tamp that down. But in a recession, you lower them in order to spur economic growth. And when you had them at near zero, when we had low unemployment, high academic growth, you meant they had no tools. So this is like Wall Street just cashing out and having the And So the problem is they never should have been that low during times of high academic growth. And uh, and but now it's really painful to raise them and risk putting us in a recession. So Matt, it's all a big process. I hear you. Everything you just said, it, it, it of course works within the assumption that the Fed's the only thing we have. And I, I'm just saying I, it's completely inadequate to solve this. And if we just assume that and take off the table a discussion of what ought to be happening in Congress and having these conversations, we make no progress. And if and, and, and anything, we engage in a debate that the corporate elites, the same people the report talked about, want the debate to be and look what it's doing to Biden's numbers. That's I mean, what I'm saying. Tanking, it's not about tanking. it's and, not about the Fed. It's about Congress. Uh, when Congress advocates responsibility, we no longer have Democrat control of the economy. And what you point out at the beginning, and it, it it cannot be. It's been normalized. Of course, Congress can't actually take action on the supply chain or price gouging. You know, they have to to have a functioning democracy. And we can't have stuff like the filibuster. And, and, and function, and we frankly can't have the level of gerrymandering. Uh, we're stuck, unfortunately, with the two senators per state, which is highly unrepresentative because you can't even amend it out of the Constitution, but we do not. The Supreme Court rigged it by saying, oh, we don't have nothing to do with partisan gerrymandering. That's fine. So apparently democracy is not a value in the U.S. The conservative Supreme Court's already uh, ruled that. Yeah. Well, I hear you. I'm just that that's all great. I'm responding to what came out of the White House, right? Tried to essentially say, oh, it's not really that bad. Gas prices are going down. No, no effort to use this to actually have a conversation of what ought to be happening, what what Biden's vision would be. I, I just heard a it's really not that bad. These numbers will look better sooner. And, you know, and, and the Fed goes about its way. It's it's debilitating and it's I mean, it's frustrating. And I think I just wanted to have this discussion. I think um, I think we have to f- figure out how to do a better way in these in these moments, admitting uh, they're very uh, we're, we are constrained in what can actually happen politically. With that, we have to take a break. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. You're talking about how limited the conversation is around how you deal with inflation. Robert, 
you were going to have one final comment? Well, we've learned in January 6th that the question for Trump was, was I going to lead to listen to arch conservative lawyers who are real lawyers who would never rat me out, uh, but who, unless really forced, like uh, like Pat Cipollone was uh, uh, last week, um, or completely crazed conspiracy theorists that just told him we want to hear that Sidney Powell's, well, the Biden administration, the two angels, the angel and the devil uh, whispering in their ear, are more progressive leading strategists and more mainline kind of Democrat strategists and consultants. And the mainline folks, they'll tend to say what, uh, Matt, you talked about it. Uh, let's just say it's not as bad. It's getting better. Let's say, you know, that that is somehow an adequate response. Unfortunately, the way politics works is what's visible to people is what is is what moves them. If it's invisible or abstract or hard to understand, it's 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 and it's not been well explained, and our media doesn't do a very good job of that. Then it's not going to really influence as much. People see when prices go up. They see those gas prices go up. They see, you know, every every product they buy in the grocery store go up when they're already, um, ha, you know, close to the margin, and so. You can't tell people things are getting better if they don't feel they're getting better. You need to find a way to blame the real culprits and then to take real action against the real culprits. He needs, and the problem is that his low approval ratings, there are low approval ratings of Democrat leaders throughout the Western world. So this is partly the discrediting of democracy beyond the US. Macron in France has lower approval ratings than Biden, just for example. Uh, so uh, almost every democracy is challenged this way. And you see, Matt, the problem is Biden will be ultimately compared in 2024 if he ran for re-election, not to uh, not to not to the Almighty, as someone as a wise person once said, but to the alternative, he's still beating Trump in head-to-heads despite that. With that, Robert, I want to talk a little bit about January 6th. We started uh, the show talking about the report and how the report found uh, these major corporations and others continue to fund candidates who either were directly involved or have been completely silent in doing anything or speaking out against what happened on January 6th. Again, an insurrection, folks. Um, these hearings, we've talked about them. They've been gripping. They have been outstanding in terms of really bringing forward Republicans, people within the Trump inner circle, people who uh, actually had direct knowledge of what was going on uh, but within the groups that were involved in the actual actions. Well, Robert, this week, right, much more done to lay out for folks how Trump, um, let's use the word orchestrated the attack. And I like the word orchestrated because I think that's, that's very accurate. However, we still have, we still, we still don't have quota smoking gun, I would argue, that someone like a Merrick Garland the attorney general who appears to not, <laughs> not seem to show a great deal of interest in this. And it appears like this, uh, just between us, Robert, it appears this whole thing to me is a political show to educate the public, which I think is super important, but quite frankly, to shame Merrick Garland into considering 
<laughs> bringing charges against former President Trump. Robert, I want to give you an opportunity. I know you you have some thoughts about what happened in the latest hearings um, and, and that you feel it did a fantastic job to show Trump's orchestration, but I still ask the question, will Merrick Garland bring charges? And the standards are different. Uh, we, in fairness to the attorney general, he ha he has to re have the evidence to reach a conclusion that there that they can prove a case beyond reasonable doubt in a court of law, and uh, it'll be different because the uh, witnesses will be cross examined by God knows whatever de Trump defense lawyer there would be, whoever the lawyer would take his case to and pay them. Uh, Though they get a fair I amount of free they'll be sweaty. I predict yes. those attorneys will be sweaty. And their hair dye will run. No, uh, and so if that's what you mean. Uh, so it's beca there's becoming a more and more powerful circumstantial case. There was already one with what we knew on January 6th, okay? If you hear what he said at the ellipse, if you look at his tweets. But now, and if you look at all the strange behavior of, of uh of Steve Bannon and Roger Stone working with these uh, militia types like the Oath Keepers and the uh, Proud Boys. Uh, but they laid out this week uh, it very specifically how the whole uh, uh, militia part, the, the violent right-wing nationalist part was orchestrated, how they unified unusually how they, they had an aggressive plan, how they were the kind of the advanced troops, because often what would happen is they'd break through the Capitol Police and then the rest of the whole big crowd that had been revved up and sent over by Trump, didn't, many of them didn't know they were gonna go to the Capitol or go in, who just followed in, right? It was very orchestrated and it's clear that Trump was in constant contact with Bannon it's also clear that Trump sent his first message to be there on January 6th. It'll be wild. After midnight, this is a tweet, after the uh, what was reported in detail, a crazed shouting match meeting where all of the crazy conspiracy people, uh, the Sidney Powells and the um, Rudy Giannis, were yelling and screaming at the conservative lawyers like Pat Cipollone and his team, and uh, Trump afterwards, who wanted to believe that he let them into the White House. Cipollone didn't know, what are these people doing here? How'd they get in? And uh, and he then, after he they couldn't move their own lawyers, and he, I guess, realized there was no other recourse, he was going to lose power, and he couldn't, there was nothing in the courts, nothing about seizing voting machines. This has all been laid out uh, as the attempts, uh, nothing in getting uh, uh, like the uh, state officials, like Raffensperger, the uh, Secretary of State in Georgia, to uh, to 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 find extra votes or announce fraud. Nothing to get the uh, a fake Attorney General to declare there'd been fraud when there's no evidence. That his only recourse was uh, to storm the Capitol and try to strong arm uh, Mike Pence the whole time into doing something entirely unconstitutional beyond his power. So that's, it's becoming very clear that he wasn't just accidental, he didn't know it was going to happen, things got control, that he was the main orchestrator, and he knew every part, and he was pushing it along the whole time. He is the one who would stop at nothing to stay in power and would do anything. And they're getting, in terms of a public case, they've proven it. Uh, it's a different matter, Matt. I think they've embarrassed the uh, uh, the, the uh 
attorney general and the and the and the whole department of justice who have much more resources than this committee and this committee is out investigating them it's run circles out of them around i i don't think i don't believe garland's bringing charges i i really don't um i believe Robert, you mentioned it earlier when you when you were talking about Biden's numbers and you said ultimately Biden has to run against somebody, has to run against Trump. And as weak as Biden is, right, like if Trump is gravely damaged outside of his base, which isn't listening to this, and if if anything, you know, they knew Trump was a scoundrel when he ran for office, but it was one of those, hey, if you can get away with this, dude, you're an American. That's the way you should do it. And to some extent, that crowd probably feels the same way about this. But look, if you can say what you want, Robert, they haven't proven the case. If Merrick Garland ain't filing charges, dude, he's he's OK. Well, right. That may that'll help right. a win a Republican. Hold on. Well, that'll help him win a Republican primary. It is, could be it could be the scenario you laid out where the most, shall we say, lowest approval rating President Biden, who will be both, by the way, both of these gentlemen will be extraordinarily old, setting historic records on both of those. Um, Medical marvel. What, what kind of what kind of election, by the way, is that that those are the two people Oh my lord! Wow, yeah, kind of just, a dying, I need to stop a, and go. I need to go take a deep breath. It just kind of a dying democracy, Matt. Uh, so <laughs> seriously, as far as the, the you know the symbols of it, but here's the uh, here's the thing: he can dominate a Republican primary because of the MAGA base, and that the Republican candidates, the, the establishment knows that, and that's why they're trying not to be on the wrong side of him, including Robin Voss in this state. He has already reported this week going city to city, meeting with his billionaires to set up the run. And he's decided, apparently, that this would. Imp Here's the problem, Matt. If he was running for president, it would it could immunize him against prosecution. That would make Merrick Garland not move. And so he, they think it's a protection if he's running, because Please. then it looks like a political prosecution. You get it? I understand, but I'm saying it might with what you just said about Merrick Garland, Matt. They might be right about that. And here's Merrick the problem. You can Merrick say Garland it. doesn't need that to do nothing. You can He's say proven DeSantis that. DeSantis would beat him. A DeSantis does not want to run against him and have Nobody's Trump him. attack him with that base because DeSantis wants that base. And he, if he has a food fight over that base with Trump, then he is badly damaged. It's and not he happening. Knows that. Yeah. It's not happening. Nobody's beating Trump. Nobody's beating Trump if he's able to run, right? If he's not indicted, he, he will be running. He doesn't have a health shock, right? We we have to take a break. I mean, it's a terrible diet. Anything You're listening to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We need to spend some time talking about the crazy crap going down in Wisconsin, uh, Robert. Our Supreme Court has been very busy. Our Supreme Court is as lovely as the federal Supreme Court. It has I was going to say, it doesn't <laughs> take second place to the it, uh, U.S. Yes, Supreme it, Court. Well, I, the only reason is the, the odd Hagedorn, who quite frankly, right, like it's, it's very rare that we get the Hagedorn, shall we say the Hagedorn uh, 
twist where uh, he joins the liberals. But Robert, there's been a number of a little really, like really bad. Pat, a little like Pat Cipollone, right? I, every once in a while, Haggard Orton gets principles, but then, but then he goes back to his uh, conservative roots. Well, Robert, there were a number of really, really bad decisions, uh, including the absentee ballot uh, drop boxes uh, that uh, we definitely have talked about. And I know has become, oh, look, it's, it's a horrible decision. And, you know, w- it was even made worse by some of the arguments around trying to uh, compare what went on in Wisconsin to an autocratic society, which is absolutely appalling and insane. And by the way, got Trump back in uh, claiming that uh, there was fraud here and it's a reason for decertification. So bravo to the Supreme Court. Uh, Yeah, if you folks (laughs) don't think those are politicians in robes, but Robert, it's not the only thing uh, dangerous that has uh, gone on with the latest rulings. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit uh, in particular about one of the decisions around, ah, sorry, you wanted to talk about the Dropbox. Yes, the state, Wisconsin State Supreme Court got its national headlines with its Dropbox decision and a very confusing decision because the Wisconsin Election Commission this week couldn't get a consensus on what instructions to give the clerk. So apparently it'll be up to clerks how to, uh, how to interpret this decision. Uh, here's the thing, right? They can be relied upon, this court, simply decide with conservative politicians, that, which is not make it a consistent legal theory. It's like the legal theories are all over the map, right? They can say, well, there's not Dropbox listed in the statute, and therefore uh, you can't have Dropboxes, which has not been the tradition that, that, you, uh, that you have to list every single possible thing in a statute, okay? Statutes haven't been written that way. Uh, and and ignores the fact that a majority of states now use drop boxes and the evidence, I know evidence doesn't matter with the right, is they're more secure than the other methods, they're more secure than the mail. The problem with drop boxes is not that they're insecure, that's a bit part of the big lie. The problem with drop boxes is they make voting too early easy and the Republican Party doesn't want to enable voting because they think it's their disadvantage if there's higher turnout. It's that simple. It is anti-democratic. Um, but then on the other hand, the well-established open records law, another of their decisions, where if you are government with all of its resources and lawyers uh, withholding records and you lose, you have to pay the attorney fees of the uh, people who sued so that the little guy or the little gal can actually get access to their public records when they're, when they're in the right, uh, they throw that out. And so there's no consistency here. The law was clear. The law was interpreted that the way it's been interpreted since the 1890s. My God, and those were conservative courts back in the 1890s. That's pre-fighting Bob LaFollette. So you have a thing where they're, Matt, you put it right, they're a branch of government, except they're only elected once and they're not accountable and they're essentially legislating, okay? And uh, by the way, if, uh, if you're, if you're, LGBT, if you're any uh, group that is run afoul of the of the hard right and the religious right now, you will probably lose. Um, but if you are, I don't know, if you're someone exercising power over the people conservatives hate, then you will probably win. So, Robert, 
before we go, there's one other uh, ruling that the court did that, again, shows Hagedorn to be an interesting justice. But Hagedorn, and there was a 4-3 decision that says local health officers can indeed issue emergency orders around health uh, and public uh, emergencies, which seems absolutely critically important had it gone the other way. Robert? He has different motives, but Hagedorn reminds me of John Roberts, the uh, Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, who leads awful things like gutting the Voting Rights Act, like Citizens United, uh, like deciding that partisan gerrymandering is just fine and the Supreme Court doesn't care how much how undemocratic your districts are. Uh, like, and that was a Wisconsin case. But then also upholds the Affordable Care Act, doesn't want to completely overturn Roe. In uh, so Hagedorn uh, flipped sometimes, but these are both very conservative people. I mean, Roberts was one of the lawyers for Bush in Bush v. Gore. And Amy Coney Barrett and, um, uh, and Kavanaugh were part of that. That was like the, the, that, well, that place to be. But anyway, he in this, in this public health case, they wanted to say, remember how broken the legislature was? It did nothing during the pandemic. It went home, right? It did less than any full-time legislature in the country. Well, they want to say this court case said that a, pub, a local public health department de declare a public health emergency unless the, the elected officials give them permission. And why have them? Three of the justices agree with that. Only one of them wants functioning public health departments that can declare health emergencies based on the actual evidence. And so, folks, I wanted to bring that up because it just demonstrates how precarious our current court is, something like that. Um, fortunate, right? number of other very bad decisions won't get into them all. Um, Cap Times has a nice summary of seven of uh, the decisions. I think the holdover on appointees that the Senate can... Uh, oh, simply not confirm the deliberately. Now there's evidence broken this week, Matt, that it's possible that this uh, appointee in the Department of Natural Resources was conspiring with Republicans, and therefore there was a conspiracy not to confirm his replacement. On what planet can uh, can one party uh, decide simply not for no good reason not to confirm people as a way to keep previous appointments in power? They're fine with that. That's amazing, including Hagedorn. That is amazing. Yeah, it is uh, actually quite stunning and shocking that that would be the decision. But folks, it really it 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 just demonstrates how important the Supreme Court election next year is going to be in the spring. Um, I'm going to hazard to say it might be the most important election in the next four years in the state. Um, and including the elections we're heading into this fall, just because if we lose that race, it, 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 it really precludes the ability to have a court that could, could check the excesses of the legislature that could maybe take a look at the redistricting that was just done. Um, and so super, super important. We're going to keep talking about Supreme Court decisions so it stays on our frontal brains and we don't do what we seem to do every couple of years in the spring, and that is forget about the importance of these races until they're three weeks in front of our faces. So let's remember that super important Supreme Court race next spring. We'll continue to be talking about that. Robert, before we go, I do want to mention uh, we have critically important races this fall. Um, I want to encourage our listeners uh, who are out there to get involved. We have endorsed Mandela Barnes for the United States Senate. 
every Wednesday evening from five to eight, we have been making calls. We've talked about them before on this uh, podcast. Want to encourage you to please, if you haven't yet, jump on. These are really important calls. We're less than a month before the election. These calls are critical. People are really starting to pay attention. Um, and so want you to get involved. There's an RSVP link uh, here on the website with the podcast uh, to make calls again every Wednesday evening, five to eight. And we will have also um, canvassing and field opportunities uh, for the GOTV weekend that we're going to want to get folks involved in. We'll have more about that. But also, Robert, um, before we go, we had a couple of more statewide endorsements that happened last Friday from our board that just want to mention because uh, uh, important races, statewide races, uh, one of them is for Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez was endorsed by our board. Robert, Sarah's someone uh, we worked with extensively on health care and is actually a, a real leader and someone who flipped one of only two seats to flip in that gerrymandered legislature last cycle in suburban uh, Milwaukee. Uh, thrilled to endorse Sarah. You've worked with her, that's for sure. Your thoughts? Uh, we support her for state legislature. She won a quick seat from Republicans in the suburbs as the, as the, as the suburbs of Milwaukee start to turn more purple and particularly out, out in inner part of Waukesha County. Um, and Ozaki County, closer to the city, to, to Milwaukee County. Uh, the Milwaukee County suburbs already become more, much bluer themselves. It's just moving out gradually. Uh, she's strong on health care, and she's uh, one of the few legislators that I've actually had deep conversations with. She's very, she, she has a background in it. And so I like that. Health care is a big thing the state works on. So it'd be helpful to have her working with Governor Evers and bring that expertise, kind of like uh, Mandela Braun Barnes brought a climate and equity lens to the administration. It'd be good to have a, a healthcare leader like Sarah there. Absolutely. She'll be a strong, she'll be strong on a ticket with uh, Governor Evers. And then the other endorsement that happened, Wisconsin State Treasurer Angelito Tenario. We're really happy to endorse Angelito. Been running for over a year. He's been at numerous uh, co-op events, super involved, uh, works for uh, the Wisconsin Conservation Voters as an alder person in West Allis. Super excited about that endorsement. Again, Angelito Tenario for State Treasurer. We got a roll. This podcast, we're out of time. Folks, we're going to be back again next week. Get involved. Get involved in this primary election. We'll talk about more endorsements next week uh, in some other races and other things happening around the state and country here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Thank you all. Goodbye.